Okie dokie, so I'll just kick things off then. Uh, welcome back to another episode of the Empowered Podcast. Today we're joined by Dan Not. Dan, thanks for coming in, but I'm going to let you tell us a little bit about what you do and then we'll get going. Yeah, so I am a mortgage advisor. I work with home buyers across the country, helping them to, to finance properties, whether they are first-time buyers, home movers, um, property investors, whatever it may be. It's my job to help them um, achieve mortgage success. And yeah, that's, that's, that's why we're here today. Yeah, so obviously bumped into each other at a networking event and speaking a little bit about what it was you do, but then talking about how you've kind of applied social media, which is something that probably isn't that typical for mm -hmm. finance and, and that sort of sector, and build a brand around something that, you know, like we were saying, isn't mm -hmm. typically something that you would see a lot on social media. Um, so do you want to tell us why you kind of went in that direction? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it is probably quite an unfashionable industry to, to in terms of social media compared to maybe being a personal trainer, having a bar or something like that. Um, but yeah, so my personal brand online is Dan Does Mortgages, the main account being Instagram. Um, and I, I use social media essentially to connect with home buyers and to work with people who want to work with somebody like myself. Um, social media gives them an opportunity to to view me online for six months, a year, 18 months, whatever it may be, until they're ready to buy. And if they want to work with somebody like myself, um, then they've got the opportunity to do so, um, whether it's by direct message, booking in the diary. Yeah, if we're a good fit for each other, it allows that, that, that to happen. So I'd say, obviously, a lot of people in professional services kind of avoid a lot of social medias, especially mm -hmm. Instagram, um, because they don't necessarily see it as a place that that would fit. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of people will see that other mortgage advisors mm -hmm. aren't on social media and take that as a cue to not be themselves. Mm -hmm. So what was it about seeing that as a gap in the market as opposed to a red flag? Yeah, so it's a conscious step. It's a conscious, conscious effort to step away from sort of the corporate finance professional or mortgage advisor. Um, consciously trying not to be the grey man in a grey suit who's a little bit intimidating, who's inaccessible. Um, so with social media, that allows me to, to portray that. And it's not, it's not going to be for everybody, um, but it is definitely for a lot of people. Um, you know, with, with financial services, I would say it is becoming more common, but it's still light years behind the personal trainers, for example. Um, but I think that's probably an area where, where I've taken a lot of inspiration from. Um, but yeah, in terms of getting into it, it's, you know, mortgages is quite a difficult industry to get started in because yeah. if you've got, let's just say, if you've got no client base, no client bank, um, <clears throat> you know, people who get a mortgage will only get one typically once every two or five years. And if I do a bit of mortgage business today, typically I won't get paid the bulk of that for five or six months. Right. Um, so when you start in the industry, it can take a little while to, to earn a good living. Um, and social media seems like a, a no-brainer to me in terms of trying to fast-track that um, yeah. and trying to connect with people as quickly as possible. So what did people used to do if before they were using social media or the other people in the industry? How do they usually go about getting their first clients? So you can work under other people who maybe will pass leads to you. Right. There's more traditional networking. Um, you can work with introducers, estate agents, etc. if you're lucky enough to do so. Um, Does that come with additional fees, though? Is that what you... So, yeah. So, typically, when if you're working with introducers, for example, um, you will 
generally give them a little bit of kickback. Yeah. But even, you know, back in the day before social media, it is a difficult industry to get started in on right. a self-employed basis. Most people will start with an employed background for multiple years, build up a client base, and then go self-employed. Um, I made the decision to go self-employed from the off. So when did you actually get into that industry in, in general? When did you when did you start off? So I've worked in finance for around about 10 years, um, but with mortgages, um, I joined this industry essentially when COVID all kicked off. Okay. Previously, I worked in PPI, was the main sector. Right, okay. Um, that was coming to an end. So before that came to an end, it was, you know, where am I going to move? And the, the option was, or the decision was to move into, into becoming a mortgage advisor. Right. So was the, what was the associated training with getting into that industry for people who, who don't know? Yeah, so... One of the reasons why I actually started was when I bought my first home in 2018, I had such a bad experience with my mortgage advisor. It was very corporate. Um, mm -hmm. It wasn't very personable. Um, and yeah, it was full of jargon and it, it wasn't really a good experience. So then I made the decision, right, I think I can do a better job. Um, so over COVID, the, the, that initial lockdown one, that's when I did all of the training, became right. fully qualified. Um, and then, yeah, I got started around about August 2020 in the industry. Okay, so you you realized that maybe the experience that you had, you feel like you could have done it better. You're mm. already working in finance, so you felt like mm. it was something that you were you had the the necessary skill set for. Mm. And then was there things that you kind of carried forward then from your initial financial training, if you like, that you've mm -hmm. been doing in PPI, which really like helped you with getting into that industry was it was a quite an easy transition is what I'm I'm getting at so in terms of working in finance yes absolutely those skills are transferable it's quite a high demand environment right um but as well as that my background initially um sort of university then leaving university the goal was always to work in sport right um, and to work with people in that way um, I've always sort of been involved in well, I was involved in sport at a, at a younger sports? age. You? So generally, just you know, you, as everybody else is your football, etc. Right. Working in teams, did a little bit of coaching, and um, worked in schools, things okay. like that. So working with people is something that sort of it's quite natural. Yeah. So that was the main skill which I thought, right, I can transfer this into mortgage advice. Yeah. Um, and hopefully provide a service that is more digestible, accessible hopefully more enjoyable yeah um yeah so people can enjoy that experience of buying the first home i think it's good obviously the the coaching side of of sports i feel is all about making complex and complicated things easy to understand mm -hmm. um unfortunately with a lot of professional services it tends to be the opposite it's mm -hmm. making fairly straightforward ish things complicated to the average person and complex yeah. so they just go oh i don't know let me just get somebody else to do that for me yeah. do you feel like there's a lot of that in that industry absolutely a lot of people who do work in either mortgages or other areas of finance um the advice or information that they put online is just full of jargon yeah and maybe they do that to, to appear as an authority right whereas i sort of do the opposite a lot of my content online is very low level stuff yeah um it's meant to be digestible Making it's meant it easy to be for people to understand instead of confusing them exactly that because it's not necessary yeah um it's not necessary i'm i'm the expert they don't need to sort of um worry about that at that stage yeah but so it's my job to sort of simplify the process initially. Yeah. And then when we are working together, we can get into the nitty gritty. Um, but hopefully it's broken down in a way that you can understand. Yeah, we uh, we have this conversation with clients from this from the social media standpoint. So mm -hmm. we work with um, 
businesses and we do training with them on social media and content creation and things like that. And one of the things with the professional services mm -hmm. is they're always trying to like tell people about the nitty gritty parts of what they yeah. do, especially finance, accountancy, explaining to people these changes and this litigation and that litigation. Mm -hmm. And really people don't give a shit. They just want you to know. As long as I think you know, yeah. then I'm happy. But I, if I, if you tell me everything, mm -hmm. then one, that's gonna confuse me. Two, I don't really have time to like mm -hmm. digest all of that information. And three, that's what I need you for. I need you to take yeah. those complicated things and just deal with them. So obviously, like you were saying there with jargon, when I kind of see jargon, I, I almost assume that people are trying to justify their existence. Yeah. So do you feel like there is a lot of that in, in your industry or do you feel like you definitely need to go through a mortgage broker? So why do they bother trying to be so confusing? Yeah, so there definitely is uh, is a lot of that, especially on these sites such as LinkedIn or when you initially meet with mortgage advisors, <laughs> that experience can be quite intimidating yeah. for a lot of people. Um, so yeah, I definitely think that is that is typical and it's definitely not necessary. As you mentioned, people just want to know that I know and yes. then they want to maybe think, right, Dan looks like a, the sort of bloke I can work with. I feel yeah. comfortable with him. I'm going to be discussing me, me finances. Um, they just want to know, right, whether they follow, if you follow somebody over a period of six months, a year, 18 months, it's kind of relate to them. Mm -hmm. Do I like him? Do I want to work with him? And does he know his stuff? So you have got to provide that value, but it doesn't need to be in a way that's um, intimidating yeah. or overbearing for people. And what, do you, what is the, the usual customer journey then? So, mm -hmm. you know, people, like you said, they, they don't necessarily they're not necessarily at the stage to get a mortgage right now. So what does mm -hmm. it look like? Somebody kind of entering into your sphere of influence. Mm -hmm. And then how does that, how does that journey go usually? Yeah. So typically um, people, okay. So people tend to approach me via direct messages or yeah. they'll book directly in my diary via the Instagram. However, a lot of the time people have followed for six months, a year, 18 months, but they're not ready to buy a house, but mm -hmm. they maybe let's just talk about first time buyers. They're thinking, right, um, I'm going to buy a house with my partner in a year and a half. Yeah. Let's just follow this account, hopefully pick up some information. And then if the time comes, maybe we'll give Dan a message. Right. So a lot of the time people who do get in touch via the social media, a lot of the time they haven't necessarily engaged with the account or anything like that. Right. But they've said, you know, we'll have followed you for an extended period of time. We want to have a chat. Mm -hmm. um, let's set something up. An initial casual conversation through circumstances, goals, how it is I can help. Let's see if we're a good fit for each other. Um, a lot of the time, because they have followed me for so long, um, would do tend to be a good fit for each other yeah. because they've chosen to work with me as an individual, as opposed to maybe back in the day, a parent would just you know give you the number of a big corporate agency. And you don't and know who you're going to get. And you'd call and you get whoever, you, whoever answers the phone, you don't know who they are, you haven't seen the face, you haven't met them in person, whatever it might be, and you're just working with that person for the sake of it. So it gives people the opportunity to work with who they want to work with. So not, not everybody's gonna to choose to work with me, um, and that's absolutely fine. Some people will prefer the, the big corporate name, the man in the suit, yeah. um, but for those that do, the social media means that the opportunity is there. Well, it adds a, it adds a personality to something, and it, it allows people to see whether they feel like they're aligned with you and mm -hmm. and whether they'd like to have put their trust in the situation and you because i feel like it is a sketchy situation 
getting a mortgage. I mean, you see some horror stories, don't you, mm-hmm. about interest rates going up and people not being able to afford their houses and, and all this sort of thing. So you really want to know that you can mm-hmm. just have those open, honest conversations like, oh, Dan, can I afford this? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Because, I mean, I, I imagine, like any industry, there's going to be some mm-hmm. people out there who'll be like, yeah, of course you can, Dan. <laughs> Grand a month, you'll be, yeah, think about all the extra, think about all the, the room for activities in yeah. there. But then actually a few things change. And mm-hmm. so what are the factors then? Say, for example, I'm coming to you and I'm saying, right, I'm ready to get going. Um, this is how much my rent is. My rent's like £800 a month. Mm-hmm. And I reckon I, I, I reckon I could probably st- stretch to a grand, just for example, yeah. just to keep the numbers easy. How does that work then? Do you, do you look at that and go, right, well, we're going to have to bring that down because interest rates are lower. Can you explain? Because I actually don't know. So can mm-hmm. you actually like explain to me like a little bit about how that works? Yeah, so as mentioned, there's so much sort of misinformation or sort of scare news on the television. So yeah. people do find it quite daunting and people do feel quite vulnerable because, you know, they're showing me the bank statements. Yeah. Whatever that may be, everybody's different. Maybe they don't have any credit because they're scared of it or maybe they've got loads of credit. Maybe yeah. they've got bad credit history. Right. Maybe they've got gambling in their account mm-hmm. and they don't want the missus to only know. Fans. Uh, only fans. Only fans, <laughs> whatever it might be. I've seen a few oh, only fans. How's that come up there? Uh, it must have been, I clicked it by accident. Yeah. Shit. Stuff like that. So they, you know, they do want to, um, they want to feel comfortable yeah. with who they're working with to show that to them yeah. and see you know, what's happening. Um, what can I achieve? What can't I achieve? Yeah. Is this a non-starter or can I buy the dream home? Yeah. So the initial conversation, you know, the initial conversation is a relaxed conversation where you're at with things, what are your concerns, what are your questions, um, and what are you trying to do? But in our industry, the answer is always, you know, the answer's different for everybody. Yeah. The, the, the sort of <clears throat> running joke is the answer is always, it depends. Yes. Because it does depend. There's, an an, there's a different answer for everybody and every different goal. Um, and it's difficult to give tailored and specific advice until you've seen documentation. Yeah. But hopefully that initial call allows them to feel comfortable enough to then provide the documentation, and then you can sort of I can review that, build a file, and then state say it, then state to them, you know, this is where you're at with things. Either you can achieve this now, or if you can't achieve your goal now, this is how we can work towards it over the next six, 12, 24 months, whatever yes. it might be. So they might come in, and you might say, get some of that paid off, mm-hmm. or right, go and take out a credit card now, three hundred quidder and just, you don't have any credit, basically. Mm. You might have to go and pay it, put money on it, pay it off on time, mm. put me on it. So it might be that sort of advice where somebody comes in and you go, right, no way that's getting through. You mm. need to go and fix that. This is how long it'll take. Mm-hmm. Is that generally, what sort of kind of turnaround time then? Say if somebody comes to you, how long does it, if they have bad credit, how long does it take to get that into a good, I mean, obviously, I know you're going to say it depends, but say, for example, you know, are people looking at six months minimum or is it kind of, if you, if you had someone with, with poor credit, Mm -hmm. can, can they turn that around in six months a year? So just because you've got bad credit doesn't mean that you can't buy, get a mortgage. Right. Um, if you've got some events of bad credit, depending on what the severity of it is, you might be able to get a house now. It might not actually cause that many issues for others. It might cause major issues. Um, for those, what are the main things they're looking at? That is it kind of like missing your rent or, or stuff like that. What's the main so, red flag? So, well, initially, the lowest form of adverse credit is arrears, which is essentially a missed payment. Right. Then it's defaults. 
then it's CCJs. Yeah. Um, and then after that, you start getting into your IVAs, your bankruptcies, which are the more severe. And if you've got those, that really, really does impact your options. Mm-hmm. But depending on where you are on that ladder, um, you know, either you can get the mortgage that you want, or it might be a more expensive mortgage than ideally you would like. So or, if your credit's bad, your interest rate might be higher? Could be, potentially. Right. Okay. I heard if you had a CCJ, you couldn't get a mortgage for six years. Wrong. Is just, that wrong? Yeah, just Good. wrong. Good, okay. Yeah. I've actually um, just reviewed just reviewed a file today um, with somebody who's got a CCG and they were majorly um, concerned about it. Right. The CCG occurred just before the last time they purchased the home and at the time that did stop them, Yeah. but it's still on the file. And I said, look, is this a non-starter? I've got a CCG. And I looked at it and the answer today for this individual was, you're fine, essentially. Yeah. You will be able to buy this to buy this home. You will be able to finance it because of X, Y, and Z yeah. reasons. Yeah, I've heard people have CCJs for just a phone bill that they bumped mm-hmm. that was just a couple of hundred quid. So is that kind of, you know, if that one not so bad, you know, you've you've dove your company into two hundred thousand pounds worth of bankruptcy. Worse, is that a kind of is that how a, is that what they, the sort of factors that they look at? Yeah. So with CCJs, for example, it's typically a lot of the time it's parking fines. Um, so it depends really? on the value of it. So with all with parking all credit, fines. it depends on what type of bad credit it is. Yeah. It depends on when it occurred. Is it satisfied? When was it satisfied? And what's the value of it? Right. If you have a CCG for a tenner, that's different to having a CCG for 10 grand. Right. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. that can also impact. So they really look into it on a case-by-case scenario. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's really interesting then. There's probably, there's probably some people out there who are maybe putting off the thought of getting a mortgage because they mm-hmm. just assumed that their credit would affect them. So now now they've come in and you've you've looked at their credit and you've seen you've seen what's what, then kind of what does it go to? Because I've heard about people, and you might have seen this before, who can't get a mortgage at the same value that their rent's at. Yeah. But they pay their rent every month and it's about affordability, but well, if my rent's £800 a month, why wouldn't I be able to afford an £800 a month mortgage? Yeah. So what's the what's the situation? So the reason that typically is, is because how much you can borrow or how much you can get a mortgage for isn't primarily calculated on a monthly payment. Mm. Generally, lenders will lend to you around about 4.5 times your income right. with variables such as who was the lender, do you have debts, do you have kids, any bad credit history, things like that. But 4.5 times is an initial benchmark so and is that your kind of gross income they lend yes. so say you earn 50k a year they would yeah. lend you four and a half times that yes yeah, so around about 225,000 depending on the variables and is that the value of the property or the value of the loan so that's the loan so 4.5 times of 50,000 would be around 225,000 yeah um, so if the house was 300k you'd have to put down 75 and then Yes. You can, okay. Yeah, on a very basic level, obviously, yeah, it can yeah, be adjustments. Yeah, right. But yes, in theory. So, um, And then the, the monthly payment comes after that. So let's say if you're paying X amount a month in rent, yes. but you but you need a mortgage of 250000 Yes. then that's why you can't get the mortgage. Even if you maybe could take a 40-year a mortgage term and bring the monthly payment back right down, right. you can't get the loan amount that you need initially oh. sometimes. Okay, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. So... Once they've done all of that, then it, then you send it off to somebody else to kind of underwrite it, and then it, they yeah. kind of come back to so, say whether they've been approved. So generally the process would be, okay, let's say somebody has got options now, they're looking to get out there and buy a home. Yeah. How it would work is I would review their documentation, we'll have a tele- another telephone call, 
um, and then we'll look, look to get an agreement in principle, which essentially where a lender runs a credit check and states, right, this person could potentially lend X amount. And that gives the, the buyer confidence in a budget to get out there and start viewing homes. Um, and then when they find a home, have an offer accepted. At that time, I'll resource the market and submit an application with whoever the most suitable lender is yeah. at that time. Most commonly, the cheapest mortgage yes. available to them okay. goes to the lender. They then underwrite it and then make a mortgage offer. So interest rates then, are they low at the moment or high at the moment? Because so, I, I don't watch the news, so I don't actually know anything. Mm -hmm. I only know things that I hear other people say mm -hmm. and I don't trust the news anyway. Okay, so first of all, I know I've showed people on the podcast before, like the environment that we're kind of sat in, but this very much feels like a bunker, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. With like the corrugated roof and stuff. Yeah. I try and avoid anything that sounds like a conspiracy theory <laughs> whilst I'm sat in this bunker yeah. because it just, it's something like, I feel like I need to put on a tinfoil helmet mm -hmm. and start talking about conspiracy theories, yeah. but I don't watch the news and that's not a conspiracy. I just don't trust it. So I try to avoid conspiracy theories while we're in this bunker for yeah. obvious reasons, because I don't want to feel like I'm going crazy. Yeah. But because I don't watch the news, I don't really know what the crack is with interest rates, mm -hmm. but I do hear people talk about them and people are worried. So yeah. is that something where interest rates might be low and then they go high and now you can't afford your mortgage? So the news, for example, yes. the news only put out a single example of the worst possible case scenario. So the neither of the headlines is that? I genuinely don't watch the news <sighs> either. Okay, cool. Um, I, I, I have prepared that. some tinfoil helmets. Yeah, 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 they are. I just wanted to make sure you're on the same I, page. I'm with you on that one. But with interest rates, um, so over sort of 2019, 20, well, 2020, 2021, interest rates were at an all-time low in history. Um, they've never, ever been lower. So if you bought a house then, then you were getting the lowest interest rates of all time. Now they've jumped up significantly. However, historically, they're still actually quite low. Right. But the problem is at the moment, they're paired with soaring house prices, um, cost of living crisis. Mm -hmm. um, energy, all energy, that Energy, sort of petrol's gone up. Yeah. So they are, and it is significantly more expensive than two years ago. Right. But will they ever go back down to where they were two years ago? Maybe not. We can't say. Yeah. Um, so what's low for an interest rate? It depends, but um, <laughs> so everybody, what everybody can access is different. But you know, what's the lowest you've ever seen? One point low. One well, no, actually less than one percent. Really, around about twenty twenty. That sounds good. Um, less than one percent. Less than one percent. What's current, the highest you've ever seen? You can get. You can go really high. You can go yeah. really high. Well, the highest I've ever placed the mortgage with is maybe five point something percent, but you can get interest rates of 10% and, and that's higher. That's annually, isn't it? Because that's a decent chunk. If you're, say you owe a hundred grand and then every year it's 5.5% of that hundred grand, right? So it's adding five grand onto the cost of your property. Is that right? So it depends. Of. Very complex. Yeah, very complex. But, <laughs> but yeah, it is yeah, a significant. I was, I was shocked at how much of a mortgage payment the interest actually is. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. well, when you think about it, you think you're repaying that loan where actually a lot of it is mm -hmm. you're, you're paying the interest. So in the early years of a mortgage, your monthly payment is will actually be all interest. just about all interest. Yeah. And then once you get to the end of it, it's all, it's primarily debt yes. um, that you're clearing. So yeah, initially it's, you know, you're paying your month. Well, when people first buy a home, then they get their annual mortgage statement a year later. And it's went um, down 400 and quid. Went, yeah. went down 400, <laughs> 400 quid, quid off it. and people are gutted. Yeah. Um, but that is just the nature. Yes. Um, so it's like mortgage. a curve like this of, and then the opposite way. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly, exactly. Yeah, 
there's a lot of things to consider, isn't it? And it's, I think that is credit to why it's so important to kind of have conversations with people mm -hmm. and to feel like you're not badgering someone by asking them these questions. Absolutely. So during every initial call, I always say to my, my home buyers or homeowners, ask as many questions as you want. It's what I'm here for. Yeah. Like take as much time as you want, get everything out. Um, there's no such thing as a silly question. Yeah. Just fire away. But sort of to revert back to the social media, because people have, uh, have followed me for so long and they do have that trust, they feel like they know me, um, that allows them to then ask those questions and go, yes. Dan, I've got a question. I think it's a bit daft, but I'm going to mm. fire away anyway. Yeah. And that's absolutely fine because it's an environment where they feel safe doing so. Yeah. Um, as well as that, you know, when you buy a home, there's so many. You need a solicitor, you need a surveyor, um, you need, you know, insurances, your life insurance, critical yeah. illness, income protection. So generally... I do arrange a lot of that for my home buyers. Yeah. Reason being because we have a relationship where they know me. I'm not just a man on the phone. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not a man who maybe they don't want to work with. Um, and that allows this, the, the process to be streamlined because it's sort of a, um, they can get everything under one roof yeah. to an extent because we have that relationship. Yeah. I mean, it's a huge um, step for a lot of people, especially if they're a new, new homeowner. You're looking at 25 years. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's hard to, I mean, you know, how old are people when they are new homeowners, but kind of mid-20s up, upwards usually? Mid-20s, mid-30s. Yeah, mid-20s upwards. You, you're looking at someone who's going to take out a financial commitment for the same amount of time mm -hmm. that they've been on this earth. Like if they yeah. take out a 25-year mortgage and they're 25, mm -hmm. they're taking out a financial commitment for the next 25 years, which is equal to how old they are. Mm -hmm. Which, when you think about it like that, you know, it's a, it's a huge commitment. Um, and having all of the information available, you know, in five years' time, you won't feel bothered that you might have seemed like a, a tit when asking you a question. Mm -hmm. But you'll feel bothered if they didn't ask a question and, more, like, rates go up and now they can't afford it and they're having to look at... Mm -hmm. do, you, do you know what I mean? So it's, it's really good that you've kind of built that relationship with them. And I think that's... With an industry like that, it is the key. And I think that speaking to people through social media and getting across who you are as a person, mm -hmm. I think it's the, probably the best thing you, you could have done, really. Um, so what's next for you then? What, 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 are the, what are your aspirations within this? Aspirations. Um, in terms of the social media, it's just to, to sort of keep doing it. Yeah. Um, we sort of spoke about earlier that with my social media, it's the way I view it is that the social media is a priority um, every day is to put out some form of content, whether it's a story, um, an Instagram reel, or to sort of build a connection to do something like this today. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the reason being, without the social media, I essentially don't have the business. So I, I try not to view it as I'm a mortgage advisor who does a bit of social media. Yeah. That has to be a priority yeah. um, at the start of every day, whatever it might be. It's like, right, I'm going to record this video, put it out, and then we can crack on with with, with the work. Um, so it's just to keep um, keep keep doing that, trying to keep you know putting out regular more more and more regular content, regardless of sort of getting busier. Um, yeah, keep doing that as a priority to form more connections, mm -hmm. um, and hopefully just to work with more people who want to work with me. I think everything's downstream from leads, isn't it? If you've got inbound leads coming into the mm -hmm. business, people saying, "I want to work with you. I want to get a new house." Mm -hmm this, that, and the other, it um, it really makes things easier than having to go out and 
chase leads and, mm-hmm. and get people in. And it kind of puts things on your terms as well, mm-hmm. doesn't it? You know, if they're coming into you, then they've, you know, they've kind of agreed in principle that they're going to be doing things the way that you mm-hmm. show people how it's, how it's kind of done, um, which I think is a good, good uh-huh. kind of position to be in for any business. You're, you're working off within your own kind of parameters there. Mm-hmm. So in terms of the social media stuff that you, you try and put out, what um, is it showing people, like showing some of the, the customers that you've had, showing your clients, sorry, and, and showing like the, the houses they've been able to, mm-hmm. to get and stuff like that? Do you, do you do things like that to kind of show people what could be if they come to you and, and follow some of, the, some of the guidance you give them? So generally, the, the Instagram Reels, which is sort of the main form of content, mm-hmm. um, that's sim- as simple as it's answering a question, essentially. It's providing some value. On the stories, it tends to be sort of the, the day-to-day, you know, um, I've worked with this client, this was the problem, this was the solution, here's the mortgage offer. Then there's obviously the, the, the reviews, mm-hmm. um, testimonials, um, things like that, and also, you know, stuff like this or... or um, different bits, bits and pieces I've done with the BBC, for example. It's all sort of authority building. Yeah. But, yeah, so I just try and put it out as, as much as possible. And quantity, in my opinion, in terms of social media, for somebody like myself, is more important than quality. Yeah. The quality, if you can do the quality, great. If you can do the quality and that doesn't impact the quantity, yeah. fantastic. But don't lose the quantity in search of putting out a perfect video yeah. every so often. Yes. Just put get your iPhone out, record yeah. something, provide some value, tell a story. You know, there's there's a million things you can talk about in any industry. There's yeah. a million problems to solve. There's a million clients who are coming, some are working out, some are not. Yeah. Why is that happening? There's a million things you can post and there's a million questions that you need can answer. answering. I think as well, what people don't realise is that the quantity actually leads to the quality because you get better mm-hmm. at it. If you put out, you know, five posts per week uh-huh. then by the end of the year you're looking at 250 posts by the end of those 250 posts you'll be so good at putting quick things out which mm-hmm. look a certain way yeah and which um follow your kind of brand guideline and you'll see what works as well uh-huh. if you only put out one post a week but it's really good you've only got 50 posts to see what really works mm-hmm. and you know by the time you've done 10 weeks of posting five times a week mm-hmm you're at the same level as if you'd posted once a week for yeah. a full year in terms of your ability to refine the processes that you use to create content. And I think that people people overlook that and they don't quite realize, because until you've made a lot of content, you don't. Uh-huh. Like, you'll now have apps on your phone and things like that, which you've stumbled across or mm-hmm. really perfected of shortcuts in. And, yeah. and that's really helpful because, like you said there, it allows the most possible people to see you, the most possible people to understand what it is that you offer mm-hmm. and get some advice from you as well. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like you're more likely to buy from someone that you feel like they've created some value for you. Absolutely. And as long as you're sort of appearing on the feed every day, you sort of, it's on the feed every day, it's Dan mortgages, Dan yeah. mortgages every day. So then, you know, in 12 months time or when a friend needs a mortgage, hopefully that thought's in the head. Yeah. And hopefully they do give you a thought where they think, right, maybe I should give down a message on social media but in terms of you know other people doing social media a lot of people worry about the quality as mm-hmm. you mentioned too much and it's sort of you know ultimately i always say ultimately nobody cares if it's if it's not the perfect quality that will come 
just put it out. Yeah. Um, you know, nobody's going to sleep tonight at night worrying about your video because it yeah. wasn't edited very well. Yeah. Like nobody's that bothered. Um, so just get it out there and show a bit of personality, provide a bit of value. Um, and as you've, as you said, the, the editing skills or whatever it might be will slowly, will slowly come. And I, I'm not a good video editor, but I do enough to, to put out a, a piece yeah. of content. Well, you get better. You get better and then you realize what it is that people want to see because you can start saying, wow, I posted that and I got a few people engaging with it. I got a few people messaging me mm. off the back of it. And then the problem is, is that especially in an industry like yours, it's that delayed gratification. Like yeah. you said there, someone can, it can be 18 months mm -hmm. until they're actually in the position to start mm -hmm. engaging with a, a mortgage yeah. um, advisor. But it's, it's difficult because if you just were, went off of the results within a couple of days of, of posting that, you know, we live in a mm -hmm. instant gratification, don't yeah. we? Where people want that result straight away. Mm -hmm. Whereas actually, you know, like you've said then, and it's good because you've came to terms with the fact that mm -hmm. it might be this time next year that that person who followed me uh -huh. last year gets in touch and sets uh -huh. it up. And with social media, you can't expect anything instantly to come back because people do need to take time mm -hmm. to get you know you. A way to think of it is, in my opinion, if you're putting out a lot of content, let's say you plant a, sunf a sunflower, the more content you, you put out, that's not going to grow any quicker because people still aren't ready to buy a home. Mm -hmm. So you're still going to have to wait 18 months for that to grow yeah. into flower when they're ready to buy and work with you. But the more you put out, the more sunflowers you're planting. Yes. And then, you know, different times, they're going to they're gonna mm -hmm. pop up and then these opportunities will come. Yeah. Um, but yeah, on an individual case basis, the more content that person, you, know, you can't convince somebody to buy a home. That's not what we're here to do. Yes, yes. You're convincing them or hoping um, or you're offering the chance to, when they are ready to buy a home, to, do to work you. with you yeah. if they want to. Yeah, yeah. You can't strong arm somebody no. who doesn't want to buy a home. <laughs> no, to that's buy not a the home. I buy yeah. a home now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, just start like hanging around their house seeing how shit it looks. Oh, uh, shit this way. You should, you should move from here. Uh -huh. um, how long did it take you then between setting up to getting your, you know, first client across the line and everything just so people can get a bit of a... Because, you know, some of them are quicker. You are going to catch someone at the who's qualified lead and stuff. Mm -hmm. So how long did it actually take you to set up to first deal across the line? Okay, so with the social media, when I set it up, I actually had a plan that I was going to post every day for six months with the, the idea of doing it for free and getting nothing back mm -hmm. because that, that's what I feel like you've got to do. But maybe it probably took, you know, a few months of yeah. posting every day before people start then giving you messages and saying, right, either I'm looking to buy now or I'm looking to buy next year. Let's have a chat. Yeah. Um, but in terms of people coming through the social media, it's definitely, yeah, it's, it wasn't the case if I posted something one day and then somebody decided to work with, with us. Yeah. It, it doesn't and it didn't work like that. Yeah. So, yeah. But how long from you setting up to the first one across the line? Okay. Can you remember? Um, so in terms of the, so in terms of getting, as in becoming a mortgage advisor yes, and yes. then doing the first bit of business, yeah. um, probably, you know, probably two or three months, Yeah. probably yeah. two or three months in. Um, and then due to the nature of the business, they're probably not going to complete on that purchase for six months. Right. Um, so you're not going to get paid the bulk of your money until six months later. Right. But I would say from becoming an advisor, Two, three months, yeah. that's when business starts to, to trickle through. So you set up, you got qualified. How long did the getting qualified take? Um, so, I'd, so it was lockdown one. Mm -hmm. um, lockdown one. That's I, three years ago, you know. I so, think three years ago, yesterday or day before. Yeah, it was. That's so mental. Lockdown one was the, the sort of the, the, 
the proper lockdown. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, the real one where we cared. So all I did, all I did was study. I all yeah. I did was study. So it was I sort actually of, um, believed in it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you couldn't go to the shop. You couldn't even go on a walk. Yeah, uh, spying on your neighbours. He's been out for two walks. Yeah, I remember that. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, although that was quite bad and so, well, it was really bad in so many ways. Yeah. Um, for me, it gave me the opportunity to go right on focusing on yeah, this. and make the most of it. So it was a few months of studying by myself. And then um, I also signed up for a couple of courses when courses reopened back up. So yeah. I fast track, um, a week course here, a week course there. Um, then I was qualified sort of by June, July time, I believe. Okay, so it was about four Three, months. Yeah, yeah, something like that. What is the qualification that you need? So it's called CMAP. Right. Um, what I would say is with, with CMAP and the mortgages industry, it's a qualification and it's what you need to get your foot in the door, mm -hmm. but it doesn't teach you how to do the job. Um, you need to you need that day-to-day -day experience of working with people yeah. like like anything. We say this about personal training courses that we've run. It's just like a drive, like it's just like learning to drive. Yeah. You know, it gives you the actual foundation of, of things that you need, but you can't hone those skills until yeah. you're out in the field. It's like a simulator. You yeah. know, it's, it's all well and good, but then there's things that you need to actually mm -hmm. get into a, the real life situation. Yeah. What do you think could have been better then in the course that you did to prepare you a little bit more for the real world situation? Because it's difficult, isn't it? So, this should, well, the, this, this does exist. There's sort of a middle ground qualification where right. you get, you get your, your basic qualification and then you do some sort of real life um, 10 cases or whatever it is, 10 mortgages. Um, you get that experience outside of actually placing people's mortgages within a business. Um, so that does exist, but I don't think many people actually do that. Mm -hmm. um, but in an ideal world, you know, if there was some sort of middle ground training or qualification, which give you day-to-day -day experience, working with people, answering questions, um, I think that would probably... Is it available as an apprenticeship? I believe it will be, yeah. or in some form within, within businesses. Um, the, this is the sort of industry which lends itself well to that, mm -hmm. working with people, loads of objections, mm -hmm. loads of, um, you know, situations that you really just need to be in to understand them. Mm -hmm. And you just get that real world experience where you're following someone who's done it before, done it for years, yeah. knows the ropes, knows what people are going to say, know what the general objections are going to be at this mm -hmm. point and that point, and they can just kind of guide you through it and you work under their, under their arm. Mm -hmm. under their wing arm <laughs> yeah you you work under their under their wing and just get an experience for that would that be something that you'd potentially do if you kind of expanded look to kind of go down that route and bring people in kind of underneath you learning the ropes yeah so something i have considered for the future is that an ideal way for somebody to become a mortgage advisor in my opinion is just to work within the business whether it is initially in an admin role for a couple of years yeah and just seeing the day-to-day of calling lenders, calling solicitors, mm -hmm. being on the phone with clients, what are the problems day to day, what are the problems I'm dealing with, how am I resolving them, what yeah. are the time scales. And if you work in that role um, for you know a couple of years, three, whatever it might be, for maybe longer, and then you can potentially move on to write. Um, I understand the, the day to day. Now let's get the qualification and then work specifically within the, the advice space. Yeah. My biggest advice to people if they want to get into an industry is find someone like yourself mm -hmm. and just if you want to become a mortgage advisor hi dan senior stuff thinks it's really good would you mind if i come and shadow you yeah i'm thinking about becoming a mortgage advisor i'll help out i'll do whatever you want i just want to see what you're doing um just shadow you and get a good understanding of what it is that you do the day-to-days 
and I'll help out if there's anything that I can do to help you out. And then I'll, I'll start doing my training. So on that note, when I first came in the industry, I probably should have mentioned, I literally emailed just about every mortgage brokerage in the Northeast. Right. And part of that was, look, I'm willing, I'm, I was still working my previous job at the time, I'm willing to come in two days a week, just do it for free, see the day to day, help you out, um, see what happens. Um, that essentially is actually how I started. So did you manage to do that with anyone? So I started with a business and I actually did the first couple of months, as mentioned, was just shadowing, mm -hmm. essentially. It's, you know, Dan, can you do this phone call for me? Can you speak to this client? Can you do this research? Can you um, complete this documentation, whatever it is? Um, yeah, and I think, you know, it is essential. Yeah, do you know what? In the past like couple of podcasts that we've been doing, there is really a theme starting to appear with everybody that we're speaking to and it's doing stuff for free, uh -huh. it's getting in, and it's showing willingness, and it's trading the asset that you have at the time, which is your time. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the asset that you can afford when you first get into something, mm -hmm. because you might have a bit of free time, or, you know, you, you, your time isn't as valuable. Like, your yeah. time back then, you wouldn't class it as, as valuable as it is now, that mm -hmm. sort of thing. Um, and it's just showing that willingness. And I think the thing that I'm seeing from most of the people that we got on who are you know doing big things in their in their industry so they are willing to just pull their sleeves up and just go and learn from someone else doing it mm -hmm. and they they don't have this kind of handout nature of like oh i've i've done something give me something it's mm -hmm. like i have gave you something i gave you experience yeah yeah and i think You've got to give people a reason to want to work with you. You can't just expect everything on a plate. Like, I'm yeah. going to get my qualification, then I'm going to be in the industry. Oh, yeah. I'm going so to have people a think that with every industry that's like, yeah. oh, I'll get that. And then it's just like, I'll just roll, roll out of bed one day and I'll have loads of clients. Nah, you've got to turn up and you've got to do, you've got to do that extra. Um, even if you're maybe not getting financial gain from it initially, that will come down the line. And obviously, it's easier to do, depending on your situation, of depending on the way you're at with things. But to some extent, there's generally something extra that you can do. Mm -hmm. Um, if you can get in for a few hours yeah. and just say, can I sit there day to day, do a few calls for you, mm -hmm. um, whatever it might be. I think, yeah, I think that's essential. Yeah, obviously everybody's situation's different and I, I understand that, but most people who are trying to get into something different, they need to kind of cut back on something else and just mm -hmm. do that. Go and shadow after work, go and see what you can learn from somebody else, mm -hmm. make yourself useful. And then when opportunities come, people in business generally are sound. If yeah. an opportunity comes up, they'll give it to you if you've mm -hmm. kind of provided them with some value. But yeah, it's. It, I'm glad that you said that. I'm glad that you, you spoke about the shadowing there because I think that that's a, a, a huge thing. So obviously I think it's been really valuable kind of especially going through some of the, 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 the bits on mortgages and the way that you address, like do your social media. So where can people find you for on social media and stuff? So the main account I use is Instagram, which is at Dan Does Mortgages underscore. Facebook is Dan Does Mortgages. Um, the other main two accounts, LinkedIn, Dan Not. Um, but yeah, so people can either just send a direct message if they do want to have a chat, or there's a link to book into my diary. So yeah, whatever, whatever yeah. works for the individual. Definitely. Well, um, anybody who is looking to, to kind of either get their first home or, or move or whatever, I think um, obviously you can see that Dan actually cares about what he does, mm -hmm. so I think it's um, important. But thank you so much for coming in. Really appreciate uh, chatting to you, and I know who I'll be coming to when it's time to move. Perfect. Yeah, thank you very much right. for having me on. I've enjoyed it. Spot on, <laughs> mate. Thanks a lot. Thank Cheers, you. guys. Take it easy. See you all next time.